0: Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Well, good morning. How many of you guys have uh, enjoyed our series, History or His Story? And and, all those are the videos that we ran during uh, this series. And I believe that history is important. But I do believe that the main part of history is his story. And the thing about his story is there are events that have happened and there are events that are about to happen. Are you with me? And so quick review, we started off on um, Palm Sunday and we talked about the significance of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And we found this out that there was a crowd that, were, that was shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means bring your victory now, bring your victory now. But by the end of the week, those shouts of Hosanna actually turned into crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And then we looked in, in, on Good Friday at the significance of his cross, and he went grateful for the cross. And, and we, we learned that Jesus came and gave his life, and he was crucified, and he was scorned, and he was scourged. And he, he offered his life on the cross and died and, and he actually descended into hell. And the reason he went to hell was so you and I would not have to go there. And we learned that the cross wasn't a place of defeat, but it was actually a place of victory. It was a place of triumph. And he was not the victim, he was the victor. And then you helped us last Sunday pack the place out and, and celebrate the significance of his resurrection. And, you know, the whole reason Jesus endured the cross was he had, he had his eyes on the resurrection. And because of the resurrection, death is not final. Your failures are not, um, what was that I said? Fatal. fatal. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Um, they're not fatal. <laughs> and your, your faith is not futile. And, and so we've been looking at that In the last few weeks. We're going to wrap up this series this morning but I want to start a brand new series next week, and I, I, it's going to be awesome. I, I'm so pumped. might be our best one yet. Um, how many of you believe you can actually hear God? You could actually hear God. Well, there are some things you and I have to practice to hear God, but I'm going to prove to you over the next few weeks how you hear God and um, how you know if it's God how to recognize his voice, and, and we're going to talk about that for, for three weeks, but we're going to finish this series up this morning, and before, before I do that, um, Justin, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you this, and when I came up here during worship, that um, you've been seeking God on some things, and God wants you to know that, that um, there are some things he's going to say yes to, some things he's going to say no to. If you walk through the things he says yes to, they're, they're next level things. Their next level doors and their next level opening. So I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but, um, but I just feel like I was supposed to say that to you. All right, back to my message here. sometimes I just get stuff and I, I got to hit those things so uh, So let, let's start off this morning in Acts chapter one. This is at the end of the Gospels, and it says this. In my former book, this is Luke writing. In the former book would be Luke, Acts is part two to Luke. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and he began to teach until the the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to his apostles that he had chosen, after he suffered, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was while he was eating with them, he gave them this command: Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has sent by his own authority. But you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were there looking intently up in the sky as he was going. Suddenly, two men dressed in white stood there beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken away from you into heaven. Look what it says he will what? He will come back in the same way you have seen him go up into heaven. So after Jesus appeared, after his resurrection for 40 days, there's this moment where his disciples were there and he was taken up to heaven. And, And the angel said that the same way that he went up, he's going to come back. So we see in scripture that Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back. How many believe the scripture is true? And so scripture tells us that, and I want to read to you uh, a scripture that backs this up here in the book of Revelation, and so um, we started off with some palm branches on Palm Sunday, and and, you know, Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation opens up some scrolls, and it says a lot of things about end times, and a lot of people get confused about them, a lot of people get in fear about those, but I want to teach you in such a way this morning to build you full of faith and not fear about the end times. So look what this says in the book of Revelation. It says, look, he's coming with the clouds, which we just read about, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Amen means so be it. Verse 8 says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. In other words, He was the first, he's the last, he was the creator, he's the finisher. And so scripture is very clear that Jesus is what? He is coming back. And scripture, throughout scripture, it tells us about that. I I just want to read you a couple um, statistics. In the Bible, there are almost 2,000 references to the return of Jesus. Now listen to this. Mentions of his second coming outnumber mentions of his first coming eight to one in scripture. Eight to one. So we heard a lot about Jesus coming, but there are more scriptures about him returning a second time. In other words, 17 Old Testament books and 23 New Testament books refer to his second coming. So that means seven out of every 10 chapters and one out of 32 verses. In the New Testament, it's more like one out of every 25 verses reference the second coming of Jesus. So here's what I want to talk about this morning. Like we've looked at the significance of the cross The significance of his resurrection. Let's talk a few moments this morning about the significance of his return. And I want you to know you can ask my wife, I really struggled with this message this morning. Um, Here's why because we could spend months and months and months looking at this. I could bring out charts and charts and we could go in depth and bring out a lot of stuff, but I had to keep stepping back and say, what connects with this series? And what is it that you need to hear this morning? Uh, for for you to be in faith about his return in and end times. And I want to say this, his arrival, his cross, his crucifixion, and his resurrection, how many believe we're right on time? Well, if all of that was right on time, guess what? His return is going to be right on time. Right on time. So here's how we're going to do this. Let's let's make some life points. I'm going to jump right into the first life point. Here it is. The end times are God's times. The end times are God's times. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said the end times are actually God's times. So I want to read to you. I just want to read to you through a passage of scripture where Jesus uh, referred to his second coming. And I'm just going to make some comments. We're going to come back and, and finish with points two and points three. Are you ready? It's going to walk through here. Matthew chapter 24 says this, Jesus left the temple and he was walking away when his disciples came to him to call his attention to all the buildings. Do you see all these? He asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us when will all of this happen? Look what they said. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? There's going to be a transition. A lot of people say it this way, the end of the world. It doesn't actually say that in scripture. It says there'll be the transition of one age to the next. And they asked Jesus for the sign. And I love Jesus because Jesus does, I mean, you know he always does more than enough? So over the next few verses, before he gets to the sign, he actually gives several signs. And as I read these, I just want you to think about the world we're in, and the moment we're in, and the season we're in, and the second we're living in right now. And you can judge for yourself if these signs are, are happening right before us. Let's go, to, let's go to verse 4. Jesus answered them. Remember, he's, he's about, they asked for a sign, so he's about to give them several signs, including these signs. So Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Everyone say deceive. He said, there are going to be many that come, and they're actually going to claim to be the, the Messiah, and they will deceive many. What this literally means to us is, is there's going to be an onslaught to cancel the Word of God. There's going to be a movement to cancel God's moral law. There's going to be a surge to cancel uh, and, and, and they're going to be You're going to watch many defect from the faith How many know around us today The movement is to cancel the moral law of God There's a surge to cancel truth today There's a movement to annihilate uh, We live in what? The cancel culture And they're trying to cancel the word of God Which can't happen Won't happen The Bible said the word of God will stand It can't be canceled When something is true Can't be canceled But, but this this is a sign that the truth will try to be canceled. Let's let's read on, verse six. It goes on and says you're going to begin to hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. These things have to happen, but the end is still to come. But we know for decades there's been wars. There's actually been rumors of wars. But in context, we can take this scripture to mean this. Your ears will buzz with information. Your ears will buzz with an overload of information. How many know we live in a time where there's a lot of information that put, that's putting everybody in fear? It's a sign that Jesus talked about. I mean, information is at our fingertips. Uh, a lot of you... Let's just take a right. How many still read the newspaper? Well, some of you read the newspaper. Probably if you're a little older, you still read the newspaper. But how many know by the time the newspaper gets to your house, it's old news? That's not a knock on anybody in the newspaper industry. It's just saying information is at a click of a button instead of the, the delivery at your door or at, or at your street. I mean, there's a lot of information buzzing right now. Um, There's a lot of fake news. There's a lot of news we don't want to hear, but there's a lot of news. And how many know most of that news is depressing? It's depressing. Let's, Let's read on. It says this, nation will rise up against nation and kingdom will rise up against kingdom. What that means is a sign of the end is a spirit of division. A dramatic increase of division. And what that means is that there is going to be groups that raise up to enforce their superiority over other groups. So you, you say, well, what do you mean? Well, how about, let's just use a few examples. How do we know there's a little bit of political division out there? Um, let me refer to that as a lot of political division out there. Um, it's not just one party with certain beliefs. And There used to be a, 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 a little bit of varying difference, but it's extreme now. And so that, that's a sign of the end. How about this? There's an increase of racial division again yeah. in our midst. That's a sign. These are all signs that Jesus talked about, that there would be unrest. There will be a uh, uh, nation rising against nation. Um, there's religious division. It's, it's happening right before our eyes. Let's read on. In, in the end of verse 7 verse 8, there will be famines. There will be earthquakes in various places. All these are just the beginning of, look what the Bible says, birth pains. When something's about to be birthed, how many know there's some labor, there's some pain involved? And so what this means is there will be an increase of natural disasters, which there is. The reports will tell you there is more seismic activity happening now than there has been. Um, not only does it mean just natural disasters, it, it can actually include famines. Uh, when you see the word famine, it's not just food, although there, there is a scarcity of food in parts of the earth, but it also means scarcity in natural resources. Um, that could be uh, oil. Um, uh, that could be money. Anything that adds to the economy, there could be a, a famine or it could be taken away. And we see that happening uh, right before our eyes. It's, it's, it's happening before us. And, and, and it also means, listen to this, pandemics. It actually means there will be an increase of pandemics, even engineered and re-engineered pandemics. Hello, what we just lived through. Something we haven't lived through um, in the way we live through it ever. These are all, guess what? Signs. And verse 9 says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted, even put to death, and you will be hated by nations because of Jesus. At that time, there's going to be many who turn from the faith, and they actually betray and hate each other. One sign at the beginning of the church age was extreme persecution there will be increased persecution at the end of the church age, which we're living in. And and it it literally means that there will be believers who are drug into court and put into court because of their beliefs. These are things that we never thought we would see in our lifetime, but if you see uh, enough report on the news, you'll see these things are happening. We used to see them happening in other countries. Now we're seeing them happen in our own country. These are signs that Jesus... And let me say to you that... Um, end times aren't just a Western culture. They're just not a a United States thing. Y'all understand that, right? Um, It's just not about what's happening in the United States, but these things are happening worldwide. Verse 11, are y'all still with me? There'll be many false teachers who appear and they will deceive many people because there will be an increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. What that really means is the age-old truths of the gospel, the age-old truths of scripture, will be set aside. There will be bogus teachers. There will be people who walk away from faith. There will be more and more lawlessness. And, and the church will tend, many churches will tend not to actually teach the truth anymore. And unfortunately, we're, we're seeing that happen. Verse 13, but the one who stands firm, anyone want to be the one who stands firm, to the end, they will be saved. It's a military word, which means you won't give up your position, you won't give up your stance, you won't surrender to culture, it means you won't move off the truth, it means there's a remnant. There's a remnant who will stand, there's a remnant church who will last, and the Bible says who, those who do not move, they, guess what, they will stand. And then we get to verse 14. Remember they asked Jesus for the sign. Jesus gave them almost 10 verses of signs. Because he goes above and beyond. But then he gets to the number one sign of his return. And he said, this gospel will be proclaimed or preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. So he gives a bunch of signs, birth pains, and then he gets to the sign they asked for. The gospel will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all of the nations. The ultimate sign that the end of that age, this age, and the transition to the next age is that the gospel will be preached um, to the advanced world, to the inhabited world. And here's what is amazing. Uh, When this was written, the gospel could only be taken as far as foot could take it, um, horseback could take it, a boat could take it, those sort of things. But in the age of technology and information, it could literally travel around the world at the, at the speed of a button right now. I, I want to blow you away with a couple of things. Y'all want to hear some cool stuff? With unlimited technology, uh, this, this scripture can be fulfill, fulfilled in a moment. In a moment. Listen, th- there are now only... 7,000 unreached groups of people who have not heard the gospel in the entire world. Only 7,000 right now. Only 7,000 different people groups in the entire world. And that could be remedied quickly. Very quickly. And this blew me away. In 10 years, by the year 2033, the Bible will be translated in every living language. Within 10 years, the Bible can be in every living language. So I I submit to you that the end times are God's times. They asked Jesus, this was from the book of Matthew, they asked Jesus, what's the sign? And Jesus said, I'll give you a few signs that are just the beginning. The ultimate sign is that the gospel will go around the world. The gospel will be preached in all all, all ethnic groups, every every, uh, language and that's happening before our eyes. We've never been so close that the Bible within 10 years could be put in every language that has ever been on the earth. The end times are what? They're God's times. Yeah. Are, are y'all awake this morning? Y'all, y'all just listening. Okay, I got you. Um, so so let's, let's build on that point. But I, wanna, I want you to grasp this understanding because this will help you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the gospels. When, when those are the records of the ministry of Jesus, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and in the Gospels, Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience. When we transition to the epistles throughout the rest of the New Testament, now those scriptures are being written to the church, to the Gentiles. So we have to understand that what Jesus said in the Gospels, were to a certain audience. Now what's being said throughout the rest of the New Testament is being said to a wider audience. This is how we have to understand the end times. So life point number one, the end times are whose times? God's time. You ready for life point two? God's times are good times for you. <laughs> God's times are good times. Now... Uh, don't, don't anybody come up to me when we're done and pull out a revelation chart because <laughs> there's always that person if you like those charts, great People send me them all. This is not about the chart. This is about what you need to know to keep your faith together. You can study all that and unwrap that. We'd be here. I'm not an end times expert on that. I will tell you if you want to know um, some people to follow, follow Reverend Jimmy, Jimmy Evans, Jimmy Evans, sorry, and, and follow Reverend Joseph Morris. He was here in November. Y'all remember that? He just rattled off stuff. I'm like, how does all he know all that stuff? Anyways, those are experts. But the end times are God's times and God's times are good times for you. And so, I thought I'd just put my own chart together for you, because this this will help you so much in accordance with what I just said to you about the gospels and the scriptures being written to the church world. You guys could go ahead and put that, just put that up there. Um, Here's what we're going to see happen. The first thing is is everyone say rapture. It's the rapture of the church into the great tribulation, to the millennial reign, or I'm sorry, to the return of the Lord, millennial reign, to a new heaven and a new earth. Just keep that up there on the screen for a moment because there is an event that will happen. This is the next event to happen in the timeline of history. It's called the rapture of the church. And the Bible says it'll go a little bit like that, uh, this. uh, It tells us about this in Corinthians. It tells us about this in Thessalonians, that Jesus will step out of heaven. There will be a trumpet blast, and he'll call the church upward, This is now a lot of people get stuck here. They make the mistakes. uh, 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 They say the word rapture is not in the Bible, and it's not in the Bible. It's the phrase the catching up. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but we understand the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a Latin word. It means to be seized. In Greek, it's in the Bible, but it means to be seized up or snatched up. And Jesus is going to step out of heaven, and He's going to call what His bride. And snatch the church up. That's the next thing that has to happen on the timeline. He's going to call his church up. We're going to be raptured up. If you are a believer, you will be raptured up to heaven. And and it will happen like this. It will happen, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. That's one-fiftieth of a second when a massive amount of the population on this planet will just disappear. People will be driving cars. If they're a believer, they're listening to Caleb, they're raptured. Little babies in the crib, raptured. If you're a believer at your school, you're walking through the hallways, psh, your book bag hits the floor, you're raptured. Sitting in your office, doing your work, psh, 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 you're raptured. Millions of believers on the face of the earth will be seized up, snatched up, caught up to meet Jesus. And the media will have to figure out how to explain it. You say, well, what are we gonna be doing? Well, the Bible says this there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. So when you're raptured up, you get a new body. Anyone need a new body? I didn't care about that when I was 30, but now I'm looking a little bit more forward to that, right? I got stuff that squeaks. It didn't used to squeak, you know, when I walked and stuff. My wife always oh, says, like, Why do you make noises? I'm like, I don't know. I get off the couch, I'm like, Ugh. It's like, well, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. It just happens. I sit down, I make noise. I lift. Anyone make noises? She's like, why why do you make noise? I'm like, I don't know. It just happens. (laughs) Anyways, we're going to get new bodies. There's going to be marriage supper of the Lamb. You're going to eat all you want. It's not going to go to your hips. It's going to be good, right? And the Bible says there will be the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat. And that freaks people out because we're going to get judged. No, if you're a believer, you're not going to be judged. Because your sins were already judged on the cross. The judgment seat of Christ is this. How many of you, you used to play sports you know, in school and they had the athletic banquet? And you went to the athletic banquet and they gave out trophies for, for being on the team and for your accomplishments. And God's gonna, he's gonna hand out rewards. So for us, We're going to be caught up with Jesus. We're going to be in heaven, marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be partying with Jesus. We're going to be there with him. We're going to have new bodies, glorified bodies, and we're going to be handed out rewards. That's why I said God's times are the end times, and the end times are good times for you. They're going to be good times for you. And so the media will have to explain what happened because the world will go into a worldwide panic. Worldwide panic. Because all of these people disappeared. So God's times are good times for you. Let me give you the third life point. Um, good times for you are not good times for all. Good times for you are not good times for all. Because the, the next event that will happen, the Bible says, when the church is snatched up, is what the Bible calls the tribulation. Immediately the tribulation will happen or the day of the Lord will happen. For three and a half years, the Antichrist will come on the scene. He will bring great peace to the earth. He will settle everyone down because all these people have. And he, he'll make this alliance between the Arab nations and Israel. And he will rule in peace. War will disappear for three and a half years. So it will look like the church went away, but someone brought peace. But all of a sudden, he will turn in the middle of the se- uh, seven years of tribulation. And he'll want to be worshipped. And he will turn on people. And he will turn on Israel. And so the next three and a half years of the tribulation, we see judgment poured out on the earth like never before. The reason why there can't be judgment like that right now is because the church is here, his bride's here. But when the bride disappears, judgment. And a lot of people think, well, we're in the tribulation now. This is not the tribulation now. It, it will be worse than this. And, and some people say, well, I don't believe in the rapture. I believe we'll go through the tribulation. And somebody say, if you want to go through the tribulation, you stay here and go through the tribulation. The rest of us, we're getting out of here. Anyone want to get out of here? All right. So at the end of the great tribulation, Israel, it will end in the battle of Armageddon, and Israel will be almost annihilated, almost annihilated, and all of a sudden, Jesus will return. That's the second coming. The rapture is different than the second coming. People talk a lot about the second coming. There will be a second coming. There are all those signs. These are just the birth pains right now, but the church will be raptured At the end of the tribulation will be the second coming of Jesus. And the Bible says this, Israel will be almost annihilated and he will come from heaven with us as his return and rescue Israel. That's at the end of the tribulation. And they'll go into a thousand years of, guess what, a millennial reign. And then the enemy will be released for a period of time before he's judged and there'll be the great... Uh, white throne judgment, where people will be judged that aren't believers, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll be with Him forever in eternity. Matter of fact, the moment you got saved, eternity started for you. Right. Now you said there's a lot of stuff in there. You, yeah, I couldn't go through everything, but that—that's—that's that's what you need to believe right there. If you want other charts, go online; you can find them. But that's what you need to remember. Okay. So, so um, are y'all? Are, am I helping anybody? Yeah. So. I want to kind of land this plane here, because a lot of people talk about the second coming of Jesus, and you get it confused with the rapture. Everybody understand, they're two different things. And I want to give you some reasons why they're different. This is just a teaching message this morning. Here's some reasons why they're different. There's a difference between the rapture and his return. And you, if you want to snap a picture of that, go ahead. The focus is different between the second coming and the rapture. So just let me make myself clear. When Jesus was talking in Matthew, he was talking to a Jewish audience about the second coming. We see in the in the epistles, there's the rapture of the church. So the rapture, so the focus of the rapture is different than the focus of the His return. The focus of the rapture is catching us up with him in the air. The focus of his return is that we come back with him. Rapture means what? Snatching up, seizing up. Second coming or the return of Jesus is we, he snatches us up for the rapture. We come back with him for the second return or for his return or the second coming. So the focus is different on the rapture. Rapture, he's like, I'm ready for my bride. If you study anything about a Jewish wedding, you'll know that a, a father and a, of, a, of, a, of a groom and a father of a bride will arrange this marriage and they'll trade goats and whatever, you know, for, for the bride. And, and so the, the son goes and starts preparing a house for his bride. And the bride has no idea when that house is going to be done. And she's preparing herself. She's getting all of her goods together, her perfumes together, and she's, she's, she's preparing herself. And all of a sudden, he, when his house is done, he comes and, and, and gets her, and they go, and they have a feast. That's the idea of what happens biblically with a, a, a Jewish wedding, which compares to uh, the rapture and, and, and the second coming. It, it's a picture of that, but the focus is different. Rapture, we're seized up. Second coming, we come back with him. An- another thing that's different is the timing. The rapture kicks off the tribulation. The second coming finishes the tribulation. There's a difference in purpose. The rapture is about deliverance. The second coming is about judgment. There's a difference. He delivers his church. How many know that you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to beat up your bride before the wedding day? Man, I mean, I don't want to sound crude, but, you know, if you want to go in, I think I'll just rough her up a little bit. Just get her ready for things. Just, let she, just so she'll know how much I love her. And it's not like that. You would not do that. He's not going to do that with this church. Amen. I'm not going to do that with this church. So the difference is deliverance versus judgment. Now, I like this. The verification is different. Here's what I mean by that. The Bible says the rapture is a mystery. It's a secret. It's hidden. But the, the return of Jesus will be visible to all. Now think about that. The rapture, the church is just snatched up out of here. It'll be like twinkling of an eye, where did they go? But the second coming, every eye will see him returning with us at the second coming. Every eye will see that. So the verification is different. Um, the imminence is different. I know I'm using big words this morning, right? The eminence is different. Here's what I mean by that. Um, and and this, this, this ought to excite you. Um, the rapture of the church can happen at any second. There are no signs that have to be fulfilled for the rapture to happen. God knows the moment. He's going to turn to Jesus and say, snatch them up. There's not a sign that has to happen. It, it, it could happen in a moment. It could happen this evening, it could happen in the morning, it, it could happen this week. There, there's, no, there's not a sign that has to happen when he snatches up his church. How many be all right if that just happen pretty soon? <laughs> well, if right in the middle of this worship song we're about to do, whoosh, How many, that'd be the way to go, right? You ever had a conversation? How, how do you want to go? You know, I, I don't know if I just want to fall asleep. No, we're just worshiping. We just go from one worship set to the next. But for the second coming, the imminence is different. There are certain signs that have to happen, there are certain things that have to transpire. And that's what Jesus was saying in the book of Matthew. He was predicting, and he said, they asked for a sign. He said, well, I'll give you the sign, but let me give you a few more. And these signs, he said, are just the beginning. All those signs that we read are only gonna increase. How many know every sign that I read to you, there's, there, there's some more off so in Timothy, but all of those signs that I read to you, how many know you could look and say, I, I can undoubtedly see those. Like, it's, it's, not, um, it's not a debate. Um, you don't have to have a degree to figure those out. You don't have to be a theologian to see those. They are happening in the middle of our world right now. And some of them have been around, but they're increasing, increasing. People say, well, people have been saying Jesus is coming back for years. Well, the Bible says this, he's just sold a wrath because he doesn't want anyone to miss out. But there are certain things that had to transpire before he could come back because he predicted them. But they're, they're all unfolding right now at a, at a greater rate, at a greater rate. That's the difference between the imminence. Does that give anybody a little bit more understanding about the rapture? and the, So, so what, do you, what, what, what do you say at the end of this? I just wrote some stuff down. I'm just going to throw it out to you. Um, these aren't points. This isn't on the screen. So what, what, what should we be doing? I, I think the first thing that everyone should be doing this morning is looking inside and doing a heart check, doing a spiritual checkup. Because only you and God really know the condition of your heart, your spirit. And if you are not a believer, you have not confessed Jesus as the Lord of your life, I mean, you, you can come here every Sunday and sit through a service. You can fist bump during the greeting. You can put some money in the offering. You, you can do that every Sunday, but unless you have said, Jesus, I repent of my sins, be the Lord of my life. If you don't do that and you breathe your last breath, your destiny is hell. If you live long enough to the rapture, you will miss the rapture. But you can, you can fix that in a heartbeat by just saying, Jesus, I repent of my sin. Become the Lord of my life. Everyone this morning, we need to do that heart check. We just need to make sure our heart is right with God. And if it is, then the second thing I would say to you is don't just look in, look up. It's what the Bible says in the book of Luke. What do we do during these times? We just keep looking up. We keep looking up. Why would you look up? Because you're anticipating something. You're looking for something. You know, Timothy talks about some signs as well. Uh, It actually says this. In the end times, you're going to see lots of things happening even in the skies. And so, I know it's going to sound creepy, but stick with me. So I'm watching this the other night. I don't know if anyone's noticed this. There is a resurgence of things in the sky right now. UFO, sight, just all kinds of stuff. And some of it's crazy, I guess. Some of it's manipulated. But there's something happening. And last night, I told my wife this, I, I took some garbage outside. And so when you walk outside of our house, you can see this, you can see this big tower, it flashes red. And then you, you can see that light, you know, in downtown Clarksburg that swoops over the sky. And every, every time I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's that light. But there was a strange hovering light last night. It was so bright. And I thought, I'm seeing things. You know, I've been watching too much stuff on YouTube, been preparing for this message. And, and, uh. It just hovered there, and I thought, it must be another tower. I go inside. She had more garbage. I go out, and I'm like, I'm like, Diane, come here. I said, I'm telling you. I walked out. There was a light. It was weird. It was bright. It was hovering. And I, and I said, it's gone. She wasn't as impressed as I was. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what it was. I don't know if it was a UFO or not. The point is, when there's more activity, it's a sign of of, of, of imminent of, of his imminent. Rapture and his imminent return. So, we should look in this morning and we should start looking up because every sign that has to happen is happening, but for the rapture, nothing else has to happen. So, so we need to look in. Everyone say, Look in and look up. In other words, be, be, be ready, be, be ready and be aware. So, we look in, we look out, uh, uh, we look up, and here's that we need to look out because people need to know. People need to know, you, you should not be in fear right now. You should be full of faith. After what I just taught you, you should be full of faith. We started this with his entry. We're ending this this morning with his return. We, anyone excited to see Jesus? We shouldn't be in fear right now. We, should say, we see stuff on TV like, yeah, he told us about that. Yeah, we, we, he predicted that. Yeah, we, we, we know about that. Yeah, so we should look in. We should look up. We should look out. People need to know. People need to know. I think one of the worst things would be to get into God's presence. And one day someone say, why didn't you tell me? Why, why, didn't, you, why didn't you invite me? Why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you help me? Jesus said this. Can we all stand? Jesus said this in the book of John. He said, my father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, then I would have told you that. But look what he said. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus has been preparing a place for you. And verse three says this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. Do y'all get that? He's been preparing some things. And he said, if I go prepare a place, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you to be with me. There also you be where I am. That's a cool scripture, isn't it? He's been working on some stuff in heaven for you. Been building, some, uh, been building your room. He's been remodeling with whatever you sent him to work with. But he's been preparing a place. And he said, when it's ready, I'm going to, I'm going to call for you. And wherever, when I come to get you where I am, I want you to be with me. So there's a significance for his return. And we ought to live like he's coming after a bit. We ought to live like he's coming tonight. We ought to live like he's coming this week. We ought to live a little bit differently than maybe we have been. Keep looking in, looking up, looking out. Man, we sang that song earlier. It was like a little bit of heaven. So worthy. How many know he's worthy? Only God could could author this stuff and finish this stuff. Aren't you glad you know him? Aren't you glad you're saved? You ought to be more glad than that. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you're... I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your love. Thank you for going into Jerusalem and going to that cross and dying on that cross and shedding your blood for the forgiveness of our failures and our sins and thank you for going to hell so we wouldn't have to and thank you for coming out of that grave and resurrecting so we can experience resurrection life and god not that's not the end of the story i thank you this morning that you're also coming back just like you went to the cross you went to the grave you went into hell and you resurrected you will return thank you god that we're on the we're on the threshold of the rapture God, we're, 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 we're moments away, spiritually speaking, from you snatching us up. And God, I pray for everyone that's listening, that will watch later, and that is in this room right now. God, I, 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 I'm praying for anybody that, that's not, not completely sure that they're ready. And God, I pray at this moment in time, they'd be willing to pray a prayer to make sure that their heart is right with Jesus. If you say, Pastor, and I need to make sure I wanna give my heart to Jesus, I wanna say this prayer and confess him as Lord, would you wave at me if that's anybody in here this morning? Yeah, thank you. Anyone else this morning that says, I need to pray that for the first time? Thank you. We're all going to pray this together. Ready? Let's pray this. And this means nothing unless you mean it in your heart. Actually, let's all look around. Look up here. Let's say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit I have failed, I have sinned, but I believe you sent your son, Father. His name is Jesus. And he died on a cross. He became my sin. He did come. He did die. And He did resurrect. And I choose right here, right now, to confess Him as the Lord and Savior of my life. I repent for who I was. And I I embrace who He now says I am. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Help me now to serve you the rest of my life. And give me the courage to share to others what you've done for me. Amen. 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 We're going to do some of that song again. We're just going to leave here this morning. Pastor Devin will dismiss you in a moment. But we're we're going to leave here this morning declaring that he's worthy. But as we sing this, I want you to think about how worthy he is. But I also want you to think about who you might know that God's put in your sphere of influence to just tell about what God's done in your life. Because they need to know, don't let them miss out. Don't let them miss out on the good things God's doing for you. Can we do that as we worship him? Can we put a hand to heaven? Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for your grace. Anyone grateful for his grace? Grateful for his grace. We ought to be grateful for his grace. I know I'm getting off the stage here in a minute, but he's not counting against you all that you did. He's not counting against you all that you, you, you fumbled. He's not counting it against you. He is for you. He is not against you. You say, but I know I'm not all that. That's what grace is for. It makes up the difference. It makes up the difference. He's so worthy. He is so worthy. He is so worthy.